0: the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching episode number 205 of the Lax Factor Podcast. You might be listening. I'm not sure what you're doing. Uh, I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today we're going to talk about a boatload of lacrosse games. We have some tournament action out of the Big Ten. We have chaos in the Ivy League, and we'll talk about Harvard at Yale. That was a great game. Lehigh and Loyola Another great game. Both went into overtime. We'll talk about Army at Boston U, Cornell at Princeton, Georgetown at Villanova, and a bunch of other games. Before I get into it, as as always, be sure to like and subscribe if you are watching on YouTube. If you are listening uh, via audio, be sure to share with your friends, interact however you can, chirp us on social media all that good stuff. As always, you can go to laxfactor.com, support us that way. We put everything up there and you can get yourself T-shirts and swag and other type crap. But I digress. Let us jump into the very first game I want to talk about today. Harvard at Yale. The Ivy has been insane all season long. They've handled their non-conference business, which has jacked their RPI through the roof. And the in-conference play has been absolute chaos. And in this game here, it was chaos, but it was like a game of runs early on. The first run of the game, a three-goal sprint by Yale to jump out to a quick three-zip lead all over the, over the course of the first five minutes of this game. This run was capped by Thomas Bragg, his 19th of the season, a man-up goal dished by uh, Johnny Kabe, Keeb. I think it's Keeb. I don't even know. I don't normally show the replay highlights, but in this case, it's worth it because Bragg absolutely smokes this past Kyle Mullen, and it is three-zip Yale. The next run, Harvard's turn, a four-goal run that gave Harvard the lead off a Joe Dowling goal feed. It kind of missed the crease. One hop to Dowling, who booked it to the middle of the field where he saw space, and now it's four to three. Harvard. Yale matched Harvard's four goals, scoring the first four of the second quarter. Matt Brandau started it off just 57 seconds in, and it was finished off by Chris Lyons, his 25th of the season, assisted by Leo Johnson. A nice feed from goal line extended up to Lyons on the high crease, finished it low to low, and now it is seven to 7-4 Yale. Yale built the lead up to 9-5. To Harvard battles back. They get things back, back to tied up at 11s, Yale answered, Harvard scores, Harvard, Harvard scores again, 12-all tie, and then Owen Gaffney stuck a man-up goal just 22 seconds into the fourth quarter, fed by Andrew Perry, giving Harvard the lead again, and through much of the fourth, Harvard would kind of hold that one-gold lead. Yale would kind of tie it up, Harvard would kind of answer, and we would go back and forth a little bit. Fast forward, two minutes, five seconds left in regulation. Harvard is up by a goal, and freshman Leo Johnson dodges hard from X up the left side of the cage, books it, Fires off a shot on the run, kind of gets his hips turned and puts it, uh, puts it in stick side, just over the head of Bernard's stick, and we're tied at 16s. A big time ballsy move for sure here by uh, Johnson, the freshman, like just to, to to be able to do that. And they talked about it in the telecast. Johnson had tried that dodge on the previous possession, missed a cage, didn't work out for him, but he goes right back to the same dodge, and and it, it was it was from distance. He didn't. Turn all that much, kind of shot with his hip still kind of facing upfield, and he uh, buried it. It was nice. In overtime, Yale—they are man up—and once again, Thomas Bragg putting absolute smoke past a Harvard goalie, almost an exact replica of his first goal of the game. Bragg is just a man up killer. I think it was—I think Bragg leads the country in man up goals, if I'm correct. And I mean, this dude just. his cannon is incredible and he doesn't look he's lanky. So he does kind of look like the type of guy that would have a cannon on him, but man, that shot from out top is absolutely deadly. You can't give this dude time and room. And that's the game. Yale wins the game. That was Bragg's third goal of the game for Yale. Matt Brandau was great. Four goals, two helpers, Brad Sharp, a goal and four assists. Chris Lyons, five goals. Leo Johnson was two and two. Bragg had three goals. They they got help all over their roster, both the young and the old. We've got super seniors playing with freshmen, and they all were getting the job done. Uh, Ramsey was huge at the dot for Yale, winning 21 of 33, and you just about have to give him the game ball. You win what 65% of the draws in a game in a one goal game that went to overtime, where every possession counts, and you win 65% of those possessions. That's huge. I know the the it's not sexy to give the game ball to the face off guy that you know that won 65 percent of those possessions at the dot but in truth without all those possessions Harvard wins this game you, you know you never know you can't say that absolutely but I presume he gives up five of those wins and just wins 58 percent of those faceoffs uh Harvard probably wins this game next up for Yale is Cornell in the Ivy League semis Cornell beat Yale and Ithaca on March 19th 13 to 12. The Bulldogs will want revenge. And uh, right now, the way Yale's playing, I mean, they look capable of getting revenge. I I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. So... We come back here and we have another overtime game. We've got Lehigh at Loyola. Lehigh, they're playing for the number 2 seed in the Patriot League tournament uh, on Friday evening. This was a, one of the Friday night games. Loyola was playing for their season, already sitting at below 500. Loyola needed this win badly to keep their season alive. Now granted, they're 5 and 2 coming into this game in the Patriot, but they couldn't afford another loss, you know, just in terms of momentum, Patriot League seeding, all of that crap. So they really needed to get a win here in this game. Uh, I'm not sure in terms of the ramifications, what would have happened if they had lost, if that would have bumped them from the Patriot League tournament, and that would have dashed all hopes. But either way, you don't want to lose. And the Patriot League has been similar to the Ivies in the sense that they beat the hell out of each other. Now, this game, also a game of runs, and uh, it was actually off the chain overall. I mean, this game was nuts. And uh, the first quarter was dull for the first six minutes. But Aiden Olmstead finally got the game rolling with a goal just under six minutes on a dish from Davis Lindsay. Olmstead with a quick strike just above GLE up that left side. You kind of see Loyola do that a lot. Good at kind of sneaking the men up around crease. Uh, Kevin Lindley, he'd scored three goals over Loyola's five-goal run to open that game, but none were as awesome as his first goal of the game, number 187, hashtag 187, of his career. He showed some nice hands as Evan James threaded the needle, finding number seven on the backside, two-zip Loyola. Lindley made it five-zip Greyhound, scoring his third of the game, garbage goal. Lindsay got doubled, dropped the rock, and took a nice one-bounce to Lin- uh, to Lindley, who uh, snagged it up and stuck it in the corner, kind of one moment. Motion. Then it was Lehigh's turn. They scored six of the game's next seven goals. The first goal in the run, Matt Parker, a dish from Cole Kirst. Parker's kind of falling down as he stuck it. Nice goal, critical goal. They needed it to get the momentum to stop Loyola's momentum, I should say. Uh, Justin Tiernan finished a run with just 2.30 left in the half. His second goal in a row, both assisted by Tommy Schelling, and we now have a ball game 5-4 Loyola. Tiernan made a really nice one-handed snag on this feed from Schelling. It was high pass, but as he grabs it as he's on his way into the crease, corrals it, sticks it left-handed. And then uh, Schelling, he'd give Lehigh their first lead of the game with 4:12 left in the third quarter. Cole was heading to X, and Schelling faded his defender and was able to kind of walk around that left side for a a goal unmolested. No one was really there to help. And then, as stated, game of runs. It's Loyola's turn. They scored four unanswered. Bailey Savio sticking one off the very next face-off. That tied things back up at 8-all. And then the run was capped by Matt Houston. Scored uh, the the first goal of the fourth quarter, quarter, giving Loyola an 11-8 lead. Simple dodge. Sweep across the top from, what is it, left to right. And uh, very nice kind of uh, right-handed rip. And I can, I bet you can guess what happened next. Lehi. Lehi. The score—they uh, score the game's next four goals and take a 12-11 lead off a Scott Cole goal, dodging from the right wing into the middle of the field, running off a pick, got time and room, and it paid off. And then Loyola—they're not strangers to playing games that cause your testicles to shrivel up into your body because your body thinks it's in fight flight here. Aiden Olmstead—he got things back to even with just 29 seconds remaining in the contest, a man-up goal dished by Adam Poitras. And we have a tie game, we have overtime, Loyola is, you know, and then who? I, I'd almost always take Loyola in overtime. Now, I have no statistical backing on this to tell you what they've done in overtime this year, uh, but I know that after seeing them win a couple of overtime games this year, I'd, they're, they're killers in overtime. Olmstead finished the game with four goals. Oh, wait, no, I almost skipped the overtime goal. <laughs> and the game winner in OT stuck by who else Kevin Lindley his fifth of the game yet another man up goal for Loyola we'll look at the stats here and talk about that Olmstead finished the game with four goals and a dish as stated Lindley had five goals and Davis Lindsay put up four assists in the win for Loyola huge stat line on the day Mike Sisselberger lost 11 uh, only uh, only one 11 of 28 draws against Bailey Savio. Savio, typically a streaky face-off specialist, but he's also won a shitload of face-offs over the course of his career. He uh, ends up having a great day, has eight ground balls, uh, scored a goal. Did he have a goal yet? Put up a goal on the day. And uh, Sisselberger, who's one of the best Fogos in the country, ended up getting smoked by Bailey Savio. James Spence won the goalie battle for Lehigh, 15 saves, but Sam Schaefer got the W in net for Loyola despite not having a great outing overall. And like I said, as we look at the face-off stats here, Savio, 17 of 28, puts up a goal, and he ends up with eight GBs in that as well. And uh, Sisselberger struggled, which was which ends up being key once again in an overtime game. Your face-off guy wins 17 of 28 against one of the best faceoff guys in the country. That's the kind of momentum you're looking for heading into your Patriot League tournament. And uh, oh yeah, what I wanted to say though, man up, yeah, Loyola was 3 of 6 on the extra man. Lehigh was 0 of 2. So, I mean, that's, that's a big deal there, uh, Loyola scoring 3 extra man goals. And once again, in a close game, you end up with 6 penalties, and the other team scores on 50% of those looks. That's not going to be good for the outcome of that game. Uh, let's move on, though. Let's talk about another excellent game in the Patriot League. Both teams came into this game between Army and Boston U with 10-3 and 3 records. Army was 5-2 in Patriot League play, and Boston U was 7-0. So Boston U had already clinched the regular season Patriot League title. So in that sense, this game's meaningless, but it's not meaningless in the sense of seeding for other teams. Um, so the first half... Controlled by the Terriers, Thomas, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Thomas Nedringhaus, scored the first goal of the game with 2.48 left in the first, giving Boston U a 3-1 lead. Jacob Morin would get one back for Army, assisted by Brendan Nickturn and Danny Kibasi. Kibasa, scored on a wraparound up the right side less than a minute later, did not things up at threes. Now Boston U would go on another two-goal run, Army would answer. But then Louis Perfetto would stick a shot, dished by Timmy Lay with 51 seconds left in the half, giving BU a 6-4 lead. Army would then go on a three-goal run. First, Paul Johnson scored unassisted with just nine seconds left in the half, 6-5 BU. After Bobby Abshire scored a goal fed by Nick Turn, that tied things up at sixes. Morin scored, lacing a man-up goal with 10-42 left to play in the third quarter, giving Army their first lead of the game, 7-6. After BU got one back, tying things up, Army went on a four-goal run, started by Bo Waters on yet another assist by Nick Turn, and uh, that was finished off by Jacob Morin, a snipe from the top middle, uh, deep, deep from the top middle, making it 11-7, Army, and then BU, they'd get back to within a goal on a few occasions before the games end, but Army held on for that 15-14 win. Brendan Nick Turn he led all scores on the day with... Two goals and eight assists for the Black Knights. That's a hell of a stat line. Uh, Louis Profetto stuck five goals and contributed two helpers for Boston U. Now, important thing to note, and this is really important to note for Army because I said that Wyatt Schupler wouldn't play as bad as he played last week, and uh, he struggled mightily in Army's loss to Navy, only making three saves against 12 goals against. And uh, this weekend here, uh, that was only 20% between the pipes in that game last weekend in the loss against Navy. In this win on Friday, Schupler struggled again, this time only making six saves versus 14 goals against for 30% stop rate. So two two tough games for Schupler. Army's going to need him to bounce back because they will not win a game in the Patriot League tournament, I don't think, if Schupler continues to play that poorly. And that's not normal for him. Uh, so credit to Schupler. He doesn't normally do that. He's normally solid. Uh, and actually, I can tell you how solid he's been. Uh, Schupler is going, let's see here... Army is one in three in games where Schupler is below 50%, and that's despite Army having an 11 and three record overall. So Schupler is a very important cog in this wheel. So he just needs to play better. I think he will, and Army should be uh, very good, you know, very good in the end. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Do we have any other important information? Uh, yeah, Nick Turn was two and eight, as I said. Morin had a solid game. Uh, what were we at? The- oh, yeah, that, that was what I wanted to talk about. Faceoff dot Will Coletti played tougher Army, wins 17 of 32 to 15 of 32. Eh, it's kind of split, though. And then uh, Matt Garber, he ends up with 16 saves, so that was good for him. All right, let's ditch that one. Let's ditch that one, and now let's talk about Princeton and Cornell, because in the Ivy, like I said, it's to think that Cornell or Princeton could be number five in the country coming into this game and then not even make the Ivy League tournament, that's not even like a thought I mean, it was a thought because some analysts, um, uh, I'm sure, came up with that idea that Princeton could lose this game and, and not be in the tournament, or not be in the Ivy League tournament, despite the incredible season they've had. Well, that's kind of what happened. Cornell controlled most of the first half. They held a 12-5 lead at the half, then scored the first goal of the third to extend that lead to 13-5 before the Tigers finally woke up, put together two four-goal runs. They scored a four-goal run. Cornell scored. Princeton scored another four. And uh, Coulter Mackesy made the score 14-13. Thir- Mackesy, Mackesy, made the score 14-13. Cornell, uh, uh, you know, to kind of get Princeton back in this game again. But then Spencer Wertheim he'd score less than a minute later, giving Cornell a two-goal lead. And then the the Big Red would just kind of slow burn this to the end of the game to an 18-15 win, which surprisingly eliminated Princeton's chance of a spot in the Ivy League tournament. Now. Cornell, their attack was incredible in this game. Michael Long was three and four. Piatelli five and one. C.J. Kirst had four goals. Gavin Adler on defense was an absolute monster. Dude goes for five cause turnovers, eight ground balls. Chase Erlin, shaky. In that, did not have a good first three quarters of this game, only making four saves over the course of the first three quarters, but he came up with six stops over the course of the fourth as Princeton was shelling him trying to get back into this game. Eric Peters struggled. He only made 12, uh, 12 saves versus 30 shots. Obviously, it's a, an 18 15 game. Uh, so, you know, the goalies didn't have great days. Princeton has a good enough resume to get an at-large bid. I mean, that that's that's just going to happen. If we come in here and then we look at who they have wins over, they've got a, a win over Georgetown, a win over Rutgers, a win over Penn, loss to Yale, that's not a bad loss, win over Brown, Marist, Boston U, that's a really good win, uh, and then they, they kind of finished the season here with two straight losses, and now they're not in the Ivy League tournament. But when you look at the losses, it's to Harvard and Cornell, both ranked teams both pretty solid. Now, if Harvard had beaten um, Yale, that would have been a lot better for Princeton overall. But I think that, I mean, like I said, you got the wins that you have, that's going to be solid. Now, on Cornell's side, they kind of needed this win a little bit more, I think, to solidify their shot at making the NCAA tournament. I think they, they could have still gotten in if they had lost this game, but it would have been much rougher. Uh, their resume, though, includes wins over Lehigh, Ohio State, Yale, Harvard, and now over number five, Princeton. And then that Princeton win, that'll go a long way because without it, uh, they would have ended their season with three straight losses. But instead, that's not what happens. And and uh, I think Cornell, Princeton, I think they both get in. Uh, and we'll do some prognostication here next week in terms of the uh, Selection Sunday show and all that crap because we'll be I'll do Sunday's podcast next week before they do Selection Sunday. So we'll prognosticate on what's going to happen then. Uh, another game worth talking about Georgetown. They jump out to an eight, three lead by the half spearheaded by a couple of big first half efforts out of uh, Connor Morin. Uh, He puts up three goals in the first half and then Graham Bundy jr. Who's also been incredible. Uh, He was good for a goal and three dimes in the first half. Hoyas. They'd extend that lead with a three-goal run to start the second, taking an 11-3 lead, and that was all she wrote. Bundy put up two goals and four helpers over the course of the full game, and uh, teammate Dylan Watson, he scores five goals with a dish. Morin finished with four goals. mcelroy he stopped 11 of the 18 shots that he faced. He was very solid in that. He wins the goalie battle. He picks up the W. Will Bowen continued his monster season for the Hoyas, thieving the Rock four times, and then Gibson Smith, he puts up two-cause turnovers. Turnovers In the game uh, uh, for himself as well. So that Georgetown defense continues to play well, not necessarily get better. They were already really good, but they continue to play well. Bowen has 31 cause turnovers on the season. He's forced 13 turnovers over Georgetown's last four games. That's an incredible stat for a defender. So Georgetown is looking really good heading into tournament time. Uh, George, uh, the Hoyas won every st- statistical category in this game except for faceoffs, but even there, they only lost one more, you know, one faceoff, uh, le- uh, only had one faceoff win less than Nova. The Hoyas cleared the ball successfully on 23 of 24 attempts, and then they also held Villanova to one and six in terms of man up look. So the Hoyas played physical, got a bunch of penalties, but that man, uh, man down defense played well on the day. And then, more important, Georgetown, they haven't played a cupcake schedule. Georgetown I normally chirp a little bit for playing a a soft schedule and that's not the case. Georgetown they've got wins over Hopkins, Penn, Notre Dame, Richmond, Lehigh, Denver and Loyola. So they've got a very respectable respectable schedule and uh despite that 13 and 1 overall. So that is a hell of a season by Georgetown and they they've got to be feeling very good heading into tournament time, because as we look at how they finished this season off here, they had that loss to Princeton, um, what, beginning of March, and they've rattled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins straight, and every single one of those wins, I mean, we're looking at not even really any close game other than against like Lehigh and Richmond kind of hung a little bit, and everybody else, they've been kind of beaten up, so Georgetown is looking nice heading into tournament time. Another game I wanted to talk about quickly here is uh, Vermont, Vermont, Vermont and Stony Brook. And uh, our boy here, Tommy Burke, ends up going 19 of 28 on the day. Tim Norton wins 3 of 4. So Vermont wins 22 of 32 draws against um, Stony Brook, and and that's not going to be good. Actually, Stony Brook jumped out to an early lead in this one. They went up 4-zip before Vermont kind of started chipping back and getting back in it again. Vermont finally takes the lead in the third quarter, Ten fifty two left. Nick Alvedi scores a goal unassisted. That gave Vermont a lead, and then kind of Vermont just kept running from there and uh, took a, what here, 11-8 lead, 12-9, 13-9, 15-9, 16-9, and just kept rolling from there. So it was really a second-half win for Vermont, spearheaded by uh, incredible play out of Tommy Burke. And then we got uh, Thomas McConvey, 7-1 and one on the day, Klosterman with six assists, uh, Lamogues with uh, five goals. So we got a bunch of dudes here putting up big points for Vermont, and now they're looking good. As we look at their schedule... What have they got coming up here? They've got you, Albany, in the America East tournament, the fourth seed, Albany, uh, and then uh, earlier in the season, Vermont already beat Albany fourteen to six. So that's who Vermont's going to play here this week. And I didn't even look to see who Georgetown was playing. Can I bring that back? Georgetown is playing. Oh, they got a bye next week. So Georgetown doesn't know who they're playing yet in the uh, Big East tournament. So I didn't really need to talk about that. But we do know who Vermont's playing. It's going to be Albany, the fourth seed. And uh, they've already beat them up pretty good once this season. Let's ditch this one. We've got Big Ten tournament action already. Every team in the Big Ten makes a tournament, I think. Uh, but net, that might not be the case. Maybe it's the the last team's out. But either way, Penn State against Hopkins. Hopkins kind of ran this game. They're up 7-2-2 at the half. And they exchanged goals over the course of the third, but they they win uh, sixteen to eight overall. As we look at the points, we, uh, we're not even going to look at the points for Penn State. Points for Hopkins: Connor DeSimone, Simone two and two, Jonathan Peshko two and two, Epstein three goals. So they're starting to get points out of the usual suspects a little bit more consistent, uh, consistently. That is a good sign for Hopkins. Kirsten was solid in cage 14 saves and like I've been saying all season Hopkins has been shaky in cage Kearson's not the best goalie in the country by any means but the kid is more than serviceable and he's actually had a a good season for Hopkins if we dig a little bit deeper on Kirsten here and we look at his stats overall you know above 50 percent a good well not I wouldn't say the bulk of the season he's been struggling once they got into big 10 play. And uh, struggled mightily against Maryland. You know, play, had a rough outing against Ohio State and Penn State the last time, but you'll take a 63.6% save percentage against a solid opponent in the Big Ten tournament yeah penn state's not penn state's solid on on certain days, I guess, but either way that 's the story of that game. not all that exciting. This one also was not all that exciting outside of the fact it was close over the course of the first half. Ohio State jumps out to a four one lead at the end of the first. Michigan scores five goals in the second quarter to kind of get things back to reasonable. Ohio State led seven six at the half, and then Ohio State had a four-goal uh, uh, third quarter to kind of take that lead and then extend it to 16-10 to 10 by the end of this game. Key statistics here, where was it? Was uh not even face-offs? That wasn't that big. Yeah, I don't really see much. Seemed a pretty, pretty solid game. And then what we end up getting here is uh, Skyler Wallen ends up winning the game. He ends up winning the goalie battle, 14 saves against... Uh, uh, 10 goals against, and then Shane Carr struggled 16 goals against versus 11 saves, and that is all she wrote. As we look at the Ohio State stats, though, uh Jackson Reed goes 5 and 0, Jack Myers and Kobe Smith both go 3 and 1. Solid outing. What did Zawada do over here for Michigan? 3 and 1. Michigan started struggling. Like we had we had said when we were kind of picking on and beating up uh Michigan for their terrible schedule. Uh you know, they start the season out insanely hot and Zawada and company are pu- all putting up a boatload of points, you know, but those wins were over Bellarmine, Detroit Mercy. <clears throat> Holy cross Canisius Cleveland State Marquette Delaware was their first real test and they answered the bell. I was like, ah, at this point Michigan may be for real. But then and then even after the close loss to Harvard I was still thinking, "Hey, they might be for real." But then they lose to Notre Dame, Hopkins. They they were in these games. They are a much improved team over what they were last year, but you know, reality hit when they hit that uh they hit that stretch between Delaware Uh, all the way down to Ohio State to end the regular season, and now their season's over. Lost to Ohio State in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, and that's all she wrote for them. Ohio State, who do they have up next? They have Rutgers in the Big Ten semifinals, and uh, so that'll be a very interesting game. Earlier in the season when these two met, what happened they lost to Rutgers 17-8, to so that's what Ohio State is facing here, and now we're going to have to bring up, I don't even have this queued up, the scores for inside lacrosse here, to go through the rest of the games I wanted to talk about. Bryant, they beat Wagner, so that's solid for Bryant. What do they have coming up here? They've got Hobart in the uh, SEC, NEC tournament, SEC I almost said. Uh, St. Bonaventure, I wanted to look at this because this is crazy. Saint Bonaventure playing in the MAC. Saint Bonaventure is five and one in the MAC with Marist, which is awesome. They finished a the regular season ten and three. Granted, this is one of the weakest schedules you will see in college lacrosse. Uh, with their, t- well, you know. One of their losses, getting beat up by Richmond, seventeen to three. Saint Joseph, that loss doesn't look too bad. Saint Joseph's ended up having a solid season; they were twelve and three as well. But you kind of look at what the MAC looks like, and it doesn't matter that that's a cupcake schedule. They're going to be one of the top seeds in the MAC tournament, and they will get an automatic bid if they can win that tournament. So that is awesome to see, though. Saint Bonaventure, a young program, doing this well and uh, tearing it up here. What happened in that game? Let's just give some props to some dudes. Where the hell did that go? Uh, in that game, in the win over Canisius, 13 <laughs> 12. Hard fought win here. Uh, Sean Wesley, 5 and 1 on the day. Jackson Rose, 3 and 2. So, solid outing there. What do we got for goalies? Huh. Dobson played well. And uh looks like um, St. Bonnie's is playing two goalkeepers. So, that was interesting. Uh, Towson and Hofstra, you know, like Hofstra's had a rough season, but they end up beating Towson to make things just look a lot rougher for Towson. They still have UMass. Left here, that's probably in the uh, the CAA tournament. I'm not even sure here. I, I I'm going to admit here, I had a bunch of work crap, a bunch of vacation stuff, and uh, so prep. You know, beyond writing up all these other games, I didn't actually watch a whole lot of lacrosse yesterday as we were prepping for other crap here. Brown beat up Dartmouth in the in the Ivy, that was expected to a degree. Penn beat up U Albany, we uh, saw that, so I didn't cover that game either. But uh, in the end, Hobart beats Mount Saint Mary's. You know, that's kind of it. It's uh, today's going to be a short show, and I'm going to be done yammering to all of you guys. Uh, We will, I I will not have a show on Thursday for damn sure, unless I do maybe a couple of short shows because I'll be on the road. Uh, during a little bit during the week here this upcoming week, but I'll be back Sunday to cap tournament, you know, conference tournament action and all of that crap. And uh, we'll have the show Sunday morning, and then we'll have to do some sort of follow up show once selection Sunday starts. We'll have to do that preview show, uh, come Thursday for the weekend's uh, first round tournament game. So that is all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Be sure to like, subscribe, do all that crap. Go to Lax Factor, support us that way, and I will be back on Sunday morning for Sunday's recap show. And uh, that is it. Hoost is out.